Sometimes our kids get into goofy play. The nonsensical goofy play that can be so annoying, especially when you want to send them to bed or have them do chores or whatever it is. And sometimes we feel guilty as parents because they're children. We want to let them play. So what do you do? Well, join us in this episode to find out some of the things that you can do and how to interpret what's going on. Are you tired of repeating yourself with your children and wonder why they don't listen? Are you frustrated that your kids argue, whine, or debate with you? Are you afraid you're doing the wrong thing, but you're not sure what to do? Hey mamas, you don't need to stay overwhelmed and exhausted. My name is Dina Lynn Rosenbush, mom, grandma, and speech-language pathologist of over 25 years. In this podcast, you will find solutions to get your kids to listen better, understand the clear communication, and the boundaries that benefit kids, and all while enhancing your relationships. So if you are ready to build deep, meaningful connection, and create a more peaceful, productive, and happy home. Listen in. Let's interrupt the way you've been parenting so that you can become the parent you want to be. It's playtime. Let's go. Welcome to this episode of The Language of Play. Today's episode is going to talk about nonsensical, goofy play. But before we get started, I want to read a review from Lissa at Redeem Her Time. She writes, Get your kids to finally listen to you and gives five stars. This podcast is the go-to for anyone who has kids who don't communicate well, especially those who have special needs. I love how Dina Lynn turns out. I love how Dina Lynn turns what can often be a constant battle into something that is fun and your kids will actually look forward to it. These tips are going to open up a whole new world for you and your kids from Lissa F. Thank you for your words, Lissa. I so appreciate that. Now let's get started. Goofy play. Is it annoying or is it great? Sometimes it's either one. So today let's talk about three reasons that it might be going on and what you can do about it. First, let's talk about some of the reasons that kids switch into goofy play. Now, one is simply because they're children. It's part of the experimenting on what happens if I do this? What happens if I spin around in a circle yelling? What happens in dizzy when dizzy happens and I fall down? To some degree, that nonsensical play has a function of experiment and explore. And that kind of nonsensical play is, is really beneficial for our kids. It's not bad. There are times, however, when we want them to do something or be somewhere, and this is interfering. And there are times that letting them be goofy in their creativity is fine. And I think we kind of know that it's fine sometimes. We see them just be nutsy, and it's a good kind of nutsy. That's not really what we're talking about today. Today, we're talking about that kind of goofy play that happens when we actually want them to do something and it's not happening in the timeline we want. And so we're finding ourselves getting annoyed. What is it then that we do? More often than not, I hear about this kind of issue when it's bedtime. So let's consider what might it be that is actually going on for our kiddos. 
and what we can do about it. The first thing I want you to consider is that sometimes that wild, goofy play that just erupts out of nowhere, the laughter that throws a child right down on the floor in hilarity and laughter, when you say, it's time to get your pajamas on. At that point, we have to consider, one, of course, did they just simply not want to do what they're told? But putting that aside, because that could be, and if that's the case, they will simply stop laughing because they'll run out if you don't join them. But I think that there's more to this picture. And what I want to propose is that sometimes that type of overdrive, that type of energy expenditure really comes because of unspent energy. So our children have some excess energy brewing in them at the end of the day, and they need to expend the energy so that they can fall asleep. It's the way their body says, let's, let's get ready for rest. That is one possibility. And in that case, if you can join them in that process, that helps them to expend the energy or just allow them maybe a trampoline or a big ball that they're rolling on, maybe somersaults. If it is just an energy expenditure that they have, it is good to run outside or whatever they need to do to expend the energy. That isn't always the case. Unspent energy can come out in the form of laughter. It can also come out, especially with little ones, in the form of crying. So sometimes that is part of what's going on. Other times, we need to consider that the release isn't unspent energy that is just built up during the day, but rather the energy that comes from pent-up emotions, negativity, or anxiety. Sometimes our kiddos have all of this, this negativity in them from the day that they have built up, this anxiety that fills them up from the struggles of the day, the things that have been challenging. Or if they don't have a confidence about themselves, they just need to expend that type of anxiety energy. Now, how do you know if that's what it is? I, my personal experience is that the way I know that it is an anxiety, uh, pent-up emotional type of energy is that I can't get them to pay attention. I can't get any kind of words in them to interact, to be able to communicate. It's like they're just simply not capable. When that is the case, it is, it can be really problematic to parents because they can't handle it. They can't handle what is going on very well. In a way, it's almost similar to a meltdown, except that the tipping point went off into silly rather than crying. So if the release is this tremendous amount of anxiety from the day, and if you are able to build in time for the expression of this energy, it would be very helpful, especially for younger children that don't have a way to express themselves. Now, what you can do about that, I want to say that building a vocabulary of emotional words is a very powerful thing for a family. Find, like, go to Google and Google emotion words or emotion faces, and you will see a plethora of choices. Pick something, print it, and put it on the refrigerator. Start using those words to talk about. 
So you point to the face that says mad. And you talk about something that made you mad or made them mad. But not from any correction. Just the idea of teaching them this is what the word mad looks like and feels like. Now, mad is an easy one. Our children learn that pretty early. But when we look at these emotion wheels, we see that there's like 50 or 100 of them. Now, based on the age of your child, you probably aren't going to be picking 100 right off the bat. But it is good vocabulary for all of us, even as adults, to broaden how it is that we describe things. Because when we talk about mad, we might be actually getting underneath that to find out that there was some fear and we get under that and we find out insecurity. Well, now when we realize that our feeling is insecurity, we can talk about that and we can deal with the problem. It's the same for our children. So when you go to Google, find something that works. It doesn't matter. You're not looking for right and wrong. You're looking for something that works. A little bit more words than your child knows now. You put that on the refrigerator and you regularly talk about these kind of emotions to be able to build in emotional vocabulary for your child. When they have those words built in and it becomes a practice to talk about these kind of words, they will more often than not be able to use these words instead of having the meltdown or the absolute combustion within themselves of falling to the floor and laughing. Of the two, the combustion and falling to the floor laughing is much easier to deal with than a full-out meltdown. But in a way, if anxiety and, and these kind of emotions are what's driving it, you have the same solution. It has to run its course somewhat. You have to teach them about vocabulary. You have to get in their space. Here's another thing that it might be. Sometimes parents teach that we are going to have this as part of our bedtime routine. Parents will fairly often start a routine that they didn't realize they started and then say, now how do I get out of it? Because I didn't ever want to do this kind of routine anyway. So maybe at bedtime, you're playing chase around the house or um, close to bedtime, you're playing silly games and wrestling. Now, it's possible that if that has been part of your routine, your child is going into the routine because they miss the routine, and they want to engage you in interaction. That is a very healthy and wholesome thing. And if you have that routine and you can keep up with that routine, then it works. But if it's a routine you need to minimize or you need to shape it differently, have the conversations with your kids ahead of time. Make a way and a space for them to be able to expend their energy. Give them vocabulary for what it is that they're trying to express. And then, when it still happens, let it run its course. And enjoy that it's not the kind of meltdown that is a screaming fit, but it still may be a sign that they have excess energy that they're spending. Thank you for joining me today on this episode of the Language of Play I hope that you found something helpful for your situation. Remember, mamas, when you get behind the eyes of a child, you can speak in a way their brains understand. Thank you so much for joining me today. If you feel hopeful and want to hear more, please share this podcast with other parents 
that might want the same. I would be so appreciative if you would rate and review. You can also connect with me through the email found below.